This is a production of the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. Welcome to the Vintage Homeschool Mom Show. Your host, Felice Gerwitz, is an author, a publisher, and your radio show host. She will encourage, educate, and inspire you with answers to your most pressing questions from homeschool, marriage, parenting, and much more. Felice loves to equip moms to live a Christian life because every moment counts. Be sure to visit her website at MediaAngels.com. And here's your host, Felice Gerwitz. Hey everyone, this is Felice Gerwitz and this is Podcast 135. And today we're going to talk about winning science fair projects. And this is a topic that is very near and dear to my heart because I have had uh, kids who have won science fair projects in the past. And it's always exciting to see your kids competing um, against other children um, who you may think as a homeschool parent have the best uh, information and teachers at their disposal. And I'm here to tell you that as a non-scientist, I have really learned the system of science fair projects and I have a small book it's called the insider's guide to science fair projects and um, it is available on mediaangels.com this book is still very very relevant I wrote it a few years ago and other than one really um, quick update to it which is um, the science uh, international science fair um, website has changed uh, finally, so now it, it makes sense. Um, it is, um, you know, very relevant to homeschoolers who want to compete um, in in the science fair. So, one of the things that we're going to talk about today um, in this presentation is some of the things that you need to remember to do a really great science fair project. We're going to talk about um, winning science fair strategies as well as some great um, science fair project ideas. Um, This is a two-part audio. This first part is really talking about how to set up your science fair project so that it is successful, Um, whether or not you win. Having a successful science fair project, I feel like I have a tongue twister there, is something that is um, really important for your child. Um, I can go through so many different reasons to do the science fair, um, but one of the things I want to tell you is that your child will be learning so much across um, so many different Uh, disciplines. They're going to be writing, they're going to be reading, they're going to be researching. They're going to get excited because um, this is going to be something that is important to them. I always teach that the best science fair projects are ones that answer a question that your child has. Um, It's not going to the library and finding a book that says science fair project and thumbing through it to see Um, what sounds exciting to you. Um, It really is something that um, you can talk to your child and begin getting them to think about um, the science fair project. And the best time to start is in the summer. I'm going to go through some of the dates and deadlines. And I'm also uh, going to explain the science fair project method. Um, Again, this is based on a book I wrote um, that is available on mediaangels.com, an insider's guide to successful science fair projects. 
So other than, you know, um, why you should do a project, why, <laughs> what is a science fair? Um, a science fair is a public exhibition of your students' projects. It's an opportunity for them to learn new scientific information, concepts, and increase their vocabulary. And it also provides student recognition. Um, they have to get up and explain their science fair project to a judge. Um, I've been a, a judge for the homeschool science fairs uh, for many, many uh, years, and it's really fun and exciting, and I don't think any child leaves without a big smile on their face, even if uh, their science fair project isn't quite up to speed. Um, in other words, it isn't done with the scientific method, and we're going to go over that in just a minute. A science fair project really is something that can give your child confidence. None of my kids have liked uh, to speak publicly, uh, come fancy that, especially since their mom uh, has a podcast and I've been a public speaker for many years. Um, None of my kids have liked that aspect of it, um, but they've gotten really good at it and they've gotten really comfortable. And I think one of the reasons my older daughter won Um, She placed second and third in the chemistry um, category at a regional science fair is because um, the judge was going to pass her by because the judges don't have a lot of time and um, they look at the abstracts ahead of time because those are um, you know, it, it um, in, admitted they're given to the the judges ahead of time. Um, even when we did that in the homeschool uh, science fair, we got the abstracts um, ahead so we could read them. But this judge was going to pass her by, and Christina stopped the judge and said, "Let me explain um, what I did differently this year." And so hers was a, a third year of trying to perfect her stain remover, which she was able to do, um, and by trying to stabilize and unstable element. So if I'm getting way ahead of myself, you can tell this is uh, a topic that I get excited about. So um, I'll give you a little bit more information about that in a bit. So the first thing to look at is your schedule. When do you start looking at science fairs? Um, Homeschool science fairs are typically held from November to the beginning of January. And I would really um, hesitate to do something over the Christmas holiday. So I would um, actually start your science fair uh, sometime the end of October. I know it gets really busy that time of the year, but really, um, if you let your um, homeschool group know ahead of time, uh, they can get prepared during the summer. And there's some paperwork that needs to be done in the older grades, Uh, Kindergarten through fifth grade, I really uh, emphasize doing the science fair project correctly. If you're not sure what that means, um, any good uh, book can tell you um, that is on the topic of science projects uh, can tell you how to do the scientific method. Um, So that's one thing to consider. If you want to compete in the regional, state, and beyond, um, the international science fair is Uh, the goal for a lot of people, you will want to make sure that your, um, your, your city or state or county has um, an ISEF, that's the International Science and Engineering Fair, um, regional um, fair. So you can go on the website at societyforscience.org and you can make sure um, here in Fort Myers, our Edison, um, 
has a, um, you know, Thomas Edison had a summer home here in Fort Myers. So we have an Edison science fair that is compliant with the international rules. Um, And so I would recommend if you have a child that is sixth grade uh, to high school um, to go to societyforscience.org and you can download the International Science Fair um, brochure handbook and find out specifically what is required, especially if you have a science fair that is going to you know, need supervision. All science fairs in the upper grades uh, for the regional, which is 6th through 12th grade, uh, typically are January through March. Uh, the, the state science fair is in April. And this year, the international fair, I thought, was early, and it was in May, and they've already announced the winners as I record this. Um, in the past, the international science fair was in June. So they have bumped it up a month, which makes everyone scramble and have to do their science fairs earlier. Approximately 1,700 high school students from more than 75 countries, regions, and territories were awarded the opportunity uh, to win over $4 million in prizes. So there are affiliate fairs um, that are members of Um, You know, the regional um, fairs have to be members of this, um, what's called the SSP network. And so you can find these um, at the website again and look to see if you can, um, you know, get that information uh, for your area. Prizes for the homeschool range from gift certificates to um, plaques to trophies. Um, It doesn't have to be elaborate. Um, I just uh, know that the kids enjoy getting some sort of recognition for their work. If you want the younger kids to compete, you know, you're welcome to do that. Uh, The the problem with the little ones competing, you know, and I know competition is good and you can't give everyone a first prize ribbon, but a lot of times the younger children don't know how to do a science fair, so they're going to do a project that um, would be you know, something that isn't going to get any recognition, and they're going to feel really disappointed. So just make sure that everyone is following the same guidelines. And I'm going to give you those right now. A science fair project relies on a question or hypothesis. It's a research um, and experimentation. So it isn't what a science fair is not is something that is um, building a uh, volcano or a shell collection. That's not a science fair. A science fair has to follow the scientific method. So you have the question, the research, the hypothesis, the materials you're going to use, the procedure, the experiment itself, the observation and organization of data, and the conclusion. If you go to my website at mediaangels.com and uh, click on the link that says free, you'll find some blank scientific method sheets that you can download and use, um, and you can print out as many of those as you want. So that just gives you an idea. And the scientific method is... um, a procedure used to execute an experiment in an organized fashion, and it also uh, shows you when you've made a mistake. And kind of the cool thing about science fairs, and this is what I love, um, the idea of a science fair is to prove or uh, show that you don't have enough information to answer your question 
um, with your hypothesis. So for example, let's say that um, I am going to work on a better source of energy. Okay, this is just off the top of my head, so bear with me here. Let's see if I can give you a good example. And um, and so I did a one-year experiment, and I was able to do that really well. Um, I extracted chlorophyll from leaves, and I know a girl who actually did this. And she was able to use the chlorophyll from the leaves and make energy. You know, let's say she, I don't remember exactly what she, what energy she made, if she um, created a light bulb that lit or, or what she did. Um, so let's just say that that was my first year experiment. If the next year I want to, um, light two light bulbs with my source of energy and I'm not able to do that, that doesn't mean that I failed or that my project wouldn't get some sort of recognition, especially if I can explain what I did incorrectly. And that's where my daughter's project comes in again. She was not able to stabilize her. She found out that peroxide is a wonderful stain remover. But, and she even got a stronger, um, you know, quantity of, of peroxide, not quantity, but uh, strength of peroxide. And she had to uh, order it through a science lab, um, through a gentleman we knew in town that was a scientist. And you have to, you know, have a lab to get the strength of peroxide. So we got this peroxide and it worked great as a stain remover. Um, and if you buy peroxide, which is the, the you know, more over-the-counter uh, one at the store, you'll notice that it comes in a brown container. And the reason for that is sunlight and exposure to air will weaken its strength. Well, that's what happened to our stain remover. It was getting weaker and weaker. So when my daughter did her, you know, experiments and she did a lot of them, you know, she was noticing that that happened and she asked me, you know, to help her figure it out. And so, um, you know, I told her to research it and she did. And she came back to find that peroxide is by definition an unstable element. So when we did the third year experiment, she decided that year to stabilize this unstable element. And that was very impressive to the judges. She was not able to do that in the liquid form. Um, but many of you have used something called OxyClean, right? And when I was using it and I smelled it, I said, this smells familiar. So I looked at the label and what does it contain? It contains a powdered form of peroxide. So how cool is that? My daughter was actually trying to stabilize it, didn't know how, but obviously the chemical companies did, and uh, they formed OxyClean. So I always say that, um, you know, if she had developed OxyClean, we may not be here <laughs> talking about this right now. So, you know, this is the kind of, this is exciting because all she was doing was mixing some cleaning solutions together to try to take out stains. And so it's not... Um, you know, they, they don't have to be so um, upper level that you can't understand it. Now, if you go to the ISCF website, um, the societyforscience.org, you will find many of the science fair uh, projects can be a little bit um, complicated. So just relax. Um, don't get stressed out about it. And, um, you know, if your child is on that level, you can get help. 
Um, one of the things that you need to do is get the correct forms and get them signed um, by a qualified scientist, and that's someone who has a doctoral or professional degree in biomedical sciences or a master's degree in the area of your student's research. And when I do this talk um, to an audience, I often ask who in this room has a upper-level degree in science. And it's amazing um, how many people raise their hand, and I'll ask if there's an, or if there are any engineers in the room, and the same thing. So if you ask around, you'll be surprised. Um, this could even be a doctor um, that you know that can uh, sign off on this, uh, even someone with an advanced nursing degree. So basically what they're saying is that the child's paperwork is correct, um, and it doesn't necessarily mean that they are going to be there uh, when your child is performing that experiment. So um, very important to have, and not having the proper paperwork could actually uh, cause your child not to be able to compete. We're going to take a quick commercial break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about uh, some of the categories that your child can look at uh, for a, an idea on a science fair project. We'll be right back. My name is Felice Gerwitz, and I want to introduce you to my publishing company, Media Angels. I have a heart for homeschool families, and since 1994, I have poured my efforts into creating curriculum to support teaching science, especially from a creationist worldview to the homeschool community. My curriculum was selected by Kathy Duffy and her 101 top homeschool picks. Another labor of love is a three-book novel series specifically for homeschoolers with a creation focus, the Truth Seekers Mystery Series that I co-authored with my daughter, Christina. Media Angels represents uncompromising quality, not only with books, but with an online homeschool convention and this ultimate homeschool radio network with amazing show hosts. Along with books, Media Angels has produced an American history and an American government video series, as well as a family Bible study, Homeschooling with Proverbs. It has been my pleasure to mentor countless homeschool families and missionaries worldwide. I also enjoy mentoring aspiring authors with one-on-one coaching and the Information in a Nutshell series. If we haven't met, please reach out. I'd love to help you on your homeschooling journey, or if you have a book, help you getting that into print. I can be found on social media and look forward to meeting you. You can reach me at MediaAngels.com. Thanks so much and hope to meet you soon. So, Hi and welcome back. This is Felice Gerwitz and uh, this is episode 135, I believe it's episode 135, um, of Vintage Homeschool Moms. And today we are talking about uh, doing that great science fair project that is really uh, going to help your child in so many different ways. I get excited when I talk about science fair projects because it brings back a lot of memories of when my kids were younger and we, um, you know, participated in the science fair. Uh, the children enjoyed doing a lot of the activities that were associated with it, and it became, you know, a family uh, project, not so much in, uh, in that I did the work for them, but we were very, very involved in listening and troubleshooting and helping them uh, try to find the right answer. You know, I had an eye doctor one time whose daughter won at the science fair, uh, based upon her research that had to do with um, 
uh, you know, like bi- it was a biology type of um, research, and it had to do with um, entities in the water and, um, you know, uh, uh, microbes and, and such. And so I was teasing my eye doctor, and I was asking him if he had helped his daughter, and he said no. And uh, and so I said, he goes, no, it's way above my pay grade. And I said, well, maybe she should be looking at my eyes instead of you. The nurses thought it was funny, the doctor not so much. And fast forward uh, quite a few years later, and guess who has joined him in his practice? So I reminded him of that conversation, and he has mellowed out, and he actually thought it was funny, and so did his daughter. Um, so, you know, it's just amazing to me um, that, you know, parents think that, you know, they have to do the project for their kid. That is definitely not what I am suggesting, but you are there as a support, just as a teacher would be in the schools and um, other uh, professionals that are helping um, children. So let's look at the categories um, for science fair. So they're going to be in these areas, behavioral and social sciences, biochemistry, botany, chemistry, computer science, earth and space science, engineering, environmental sciences, mathematics, medicine, and health, microbiology, physics, and zoology. And I'm going to go more into finding a great topic in the next audio that I'm going to do. Um, But one of the things I do want to talk about um, is the steps for doing a great science project. So you're going to decide on a topic in the summer. And in my book, um, The Insider's Guide to Successful Science Fair Projects, there is a flow chart for doing a science fair. And it really is helpful um, if you look at that flow chart. So it there's, um, and I have that in the show notes on, on this podcast. So if you go to vintagehomeschoolmoms.com and look for podcast 135, um, and it's the uh, Doing a Successful Science Fair Project, and you can find that there. So you're going to check uh, the t- amount of time you have. You want to make sure if you're going to participate in an upper-level competition that you have your correct paperwork, and you're going to make a plan. You're going to organize your procedure. You're going to figure out how you're going to test your hypothesis. You know, what is what do you think is going to happen? And you're going to begin a journal or a project notebook, and you're going to start listing important information. Um, Of course, you can do this on the computer. A lot of times, uh, my kids will write notes on their phone so they don't lose them, and then that will automatically email them. Uh, And then you also want to uh, research and have your resources, um, uh, again, listed because you have to write a report and have that in there. And you're going to also figure out how you're going to do your procedure and your experiments. You're also going to look at one of the keys. Because remember I told you this is one of the things that we were going to talk about today. And one of the keys to doing a winning science fair project is to do the experiment as many times as you possibly can. And to really adhere to the guidelines using the scientific method. Um, If you do that, you will be very impressive. Uh, For example, there was a young man who did a survey. Now, I I am going to caution you, if you're using people, a lot of times you have to have a form that they sign uh, to be able to um, give you permission. So, and you don't have to use their names. In fact, I would highly recommend that you don't. 
um, but that you would have that that form signed. So um, my daughter, Anne, did a science fair project, and she experimented on my uh, oldest at the time granddaughter. Uh, well, she's actually still the oldest granddaughter, um, but she was a baby. So Emma was a baby, and Annie wanted to show her pictures to see which pictures would make her smile. And she guessed that they would be happy pictures or pictures of toys. And actually what made the baby smile, and we had to brainstorm, you know, how many different pictures. And Anne took some pictures and, um, you know, we printed them out and had them on, you know, like all the same size. And and, and she took a picture of, of Emma's mom um, and dad. And so, of course, the baby smiled at her mommy when she saw a picture of her mommy, and she reached out and wanted to touch it. And so it was kind of a cool um, little experiment that she did, but she had everything organized. She knew how she was going to do it, and I think she used um, 50 different pictures. Well, obviously, you can't sit there and show the baby that many pictures uh, So at one time anyway. So she did it in different uh, sittings. And she tried to do it at the same time. So these are kinds of, you know, these are what are called variables. And you have to be careful uh, to try to keep um, the variables very low so that you can show and demonstrate that, you know, it was as close as you possibly could get it uh, to, you know, to where it needed to be. Uh, for example, if you were using lab rats, and again, there's a lot of paperwork that goes with that, you would have to get them from a scientific organization um, and use that um, rather than going to the pet store and buying the rats there. Uh, a, a girl I knew um, did an experiment, and I will share that with you. Um, hopefully, I will remember to share that one with you um, in the next episode. But it was it was um, disqualified because she didn't have the correct um, pets. Um, so she didn't, you know, no pets were harmed in her science fair project, but, uh, it just didn't, um, work out for her because, um, this was a girl who was in school and it was something that her teacher, uh, did not know. Uh, so unfortunately she won the school science fair and went on to regional and was disqualified and could not enter the regional science fair. The key to writing a science fair project is a 250-word summary known as an abstract. So what's in the abstract? It's the project's purpose. You're going to write an introduction statement explaining the reason for the topic, and the statement includes the problem and the hypothesis. Okay? This is for sixth grade and and, uh, older, not for the younger kids. The younger kids can actually draw pictures um, in the scientific method sheets I use with the little kids. I do a before and after picture. So what does their experiment look like before uh, they did their procedure? And then what does it look like afterwards? Uh, So the little ones can draw pictures and illustrate that way. Uh, But they still should have a, you know, a question, a hypothesis, a procedure, and data that they would have and a conclusion. But in abstract, you're actually going to write this out. You're going to write your procedure out, which is a summary of the key points and an overview of how you executed this, including only the work done and the material used 
that influenced your procedure. So while you may have done a lot of other things, you obviously can't um, use it in this abstract because it's very short. Uh, the data is the key results that point to the conclusion you have found. Be brief and specific. This is not a time to not tell the judge everything. You want to tell them why they should pick your project. You don't, you're not going to say that in words. You know, dear judge, this is why you should pick my project. But you need to give them enough information that when they look at it, they'll say, wow, this is really awesome. And then in conclusion, you will describe your results, you'll tie it into your purpose and hypothesis, and you'll summarize your process. If words permit, include um, applications of your findings or possibilities for further investigation. Another um, way to uh, win a, a science fair is to follow the rules again, and that is with the display board. Um, kindergarten through fifth grade, there really is no specific order, but I always um, enjoy um, looking at the younger kids' science fair projects and seeing that they do have it in a specific order, and that changes from year to year. One year, the abstract had to be on the left-hand side. The next year, the abstract had to be on the right-hand side. I always made sure that I looked at the guidelines, and I remember walking in one time um, with my daughter, who was homeschooled, and we had won a, a homeschool science fair, um, along with three other kids, so it was first, second, and third place that were in competition, um, and th that one that got to go to the regional, and I was so pleased that we weren't scrambling around like half of the boards in there with their teachers pulling off their scientific me um, method and moving it around so they could fit the abstract where it needed to go. So again, that's something you're going to look at um, on the website uh, to find out and make sure if a project is a science fair related project uh, that is for the home school, um, it, that is not necessarily necessary. What do the judges look for? They look for um, points for major categories. And again, um, this has changed from year to year, so make sure you look. And the scientific method gets 25 points. Creative effort gets 10. A level of, comp of completion, 25. The display, 15. Technical skills, 10. And knowledge of the subject is 15. Now, that would be um, what we would do in a, in a homeschool science fair. If you're going on to the international um, or state science fair, their judging categories get a little bit different. Again, you're going to want to look at the most updated information when you're ready for competition. So um, topics such as creative ability, scientific thought and engineering goals, thoroughness, skill, and clarity um, are how they are judged. Uh, so again, you're going to want to know... Um, how that all works and contact, um, you know, or look on the website. Let's say that you're a homeschool mom and you're saying, you know, I really want to um, start a science fair in our homeschool group and we don't have one. So what I would do is uh, decide if you're going to be in charge of it, um, how many people are interested, and then go to the local school board and ask for the science fair coordinator um, you will need a homeschool representative. Uh, they want just one person, and then you will be invited to the first uh, meeting of the year. If you can't go, make sure you have someone who can go because that's when you'll get a packet uh, that will give you all the information. Um, in the past, they have allowed us 
uh, to nominate our students based on the number of homeschoolers participating or in our support group. So in other words, um, at the time we had a support group that had 150 homeschool students. So it was based on that number of how many entrants we would have. I am going to caution you, a lot of times you might have a first, second, and third place entry, um, but you might decide to only send the first place entry, not because you can't send three, but the projects may not be of the caliber to really do well um, in a regional fair. Um, and let me preface that. Okay, so one year, uh, a young girl did a science fair project, and she did a really good job with it, but she did a project that was, um, does warm milk help you go to sleep at night? And she won third place um, in the science fair competition um, for the homeschoolers. But she had a lot of holes in her experiment. Um, the first is she didn't do it with anyone outside of the family. The second is that um, while she did have her paperwork, it was very spotty. Her procedure was spotty, and um, they changed the type of milk. So one time she used whole milk, and one time she used low fat, and one time she used hot chocolate. So those kinds of things would disqualify you um, from a science fair unless that is part of your question. If her question had been, does warm chocolate milk, uh, warm whole milk, and warm skim milk, uh, which helps you go to sleep uh, better at night, and she did a cross-sampling of uh, 15-year-olds or uh, 25-year-olds or or whatever that was, and everyone was the same age. Uh, So we knew that if she went on, um, you know, she would pretty much be disqualified and that would be upsetting for her. So um, we didn't want that to happen. And so we decided um, as judges that we were only going to allow the first place to go that year. So we would let the homeschool um, homeschoolers know ahead of time that we had not made a determination of how many people would go so that people didn't think, um, you know, it's just uh, kind of help them out and, um, not put anybody on the spot or make anybody feel bad. Well, I hope you've enjoyed this presentation. The next one, we're going to get into some great science fair projects. I'm going to explain some that I've seen through the years that are really awesome. And hopefully that will jumpstart you and your students um, in thinking of some great ideas for upcoming science fairs. Hey, thanks so much for listening. Visit VintageHomeschoolMoms.com for more information and to get uh, the show notes for this episode. Thanks again and talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Thanks for tuning in to the Vintage Homeschool Mom Show. Visit Felice at MediaAngels.com and the VintageHomeschoolMoms.com. Vintage Homeschool Moms is a production of the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network.